0: On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, a couple of Alberta baseball players who just got back onto the field after similar surgeries are back waiting in the clubhouse. Welcome to episode 82 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Opening day was supposed to be last Thursday and with the coronavirus pandemic putting that on hold we know a few people are itching for more baseball content so we're back a little earlier than scheduled with what we'll call a bonus episode and we'll do our best to try to get you a few of these in the weeks ahead. We'll start this episode off with Spruce Grove's Chris Iwanek. The six foot 200 pound infielder and catcher had just gotten back onto the field with Husson University in Maine after a year away recovering from Tommy John surgery when the news broke that the season would be cancelled. We chatted about his surgery and return, a cross-country trip back home with teammate and fellow Albertan David LeBlanc, and his unique school path of data analytics. Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Let's start off with the last few weeks here. What's it been like from your perspective?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, like pretty much everyone would say, it went so quick. Um, For us, personally, we were uh, starting our our bulk of our non-conference schedule in the Rust map invitational in uh, Florida. And kind of like once we started game there, I think it was like the second or the third day we heard that uh, one of the other teams that they aren't our conference, but they're a neighbor conference. They got onto their bus to go, go to Florida as well. And they were supposed to be down here playing games, but their uh, Dean or their president walked onto the bus and said, sorry, your uh, trip's been canceled. Here's your refund. And uh, shortly thereafter, like we heard their season was done and, Then uh, all the stuff started dropping, like the NBA, the AHL, the MLB, uh, the Ivy League uh, for baseball. And then kind of by the end of the week, like uh, we had one team left on our schedule, only um, Thomas College. And then uh, we finished up in Florida. We flew home and our season was canceled. Our school was only online. and Kind of Dave and I decided we had to get home. And and then kind of, you know, we had the, the long drive home. You know, it's like 41, 4200 kilometers. And then I've been on quarantine. <laughs> so it's been kind of crazy.
0: What was the conversation like in the car as you're trying to head home over the course of a few days?
2: Uh, I think for Dave and I, like, it was kind of like a, a mix between trying to stay on, on par with what was happening in the world and um, also, like, not getting too caught up in it. You know we didn't really have a whole bunch of other like things to talk about obviously like we um so it was really important to not like drive ourselves crazy thinking about like what's going on and you know that our season just ended and you know try to just you know worry about the drive and take it day by day
0: was there much in the way of talk about are we even going to be able to get across the border at this rate
2: the first day um we were a little nervous about it we weren't really sure um especially like uh, we just uh we'd flown as well which I thought like kind of increased our risk um we were before the border shut down at all so I wasn't super worried about it but um we we both thought it was a pretty idea to cross it before there was any question
0: walk us through what was said in the locker room as as you know you're trying to kind of come to grips with everything what was that conversation like
2: um you know I think uh well we stayed in like houses in Florida like as a team so we'd have like 10 guys to a house. Um, so I remember just kind of having conversations like well what could happen like what's best case scenario like um could we have online classes but still be playing baseball like what's gonna happen here I think probably the the most impactful one was kind of like uh coach mo would kind of like kind of towards the end of the week he was popping by our houses and like they kind of brought us some food to cook and you know he's kind of giving us updates and on our last day especially. Um, he was you know it was I think it was a pretty emotional day. like everybody was pretty upset alongside not just hey our baseball seasons canceled, but this is a this is a pretty real life event. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it was very emotional having a lot of guys like lose their season like that and just you know you, you put in a, obviously we're no different from any other prog- program in the country where we put a lot of work in to where we were, and we were excited to see that hard work pay off in the field, but it didn't make it any easier nonetheless
0: on a personal level, was it difficult given the trials and tribulations you've gone through and having to go through surgery and all that kind of thing over the last 18 months or so?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, uh, but like, I, I think it was a lot tougher just blowing my arm out when I didn't expect it, as opposed to this, where everybody's in the same boat. Um, You know, I felt I think there's some people that, you know, are, are graduating senior class. I think I, I felt a lot more sympathetic for them. You know, I felt that way for myself as far as, you know, they got jobs lined up, this is it. They expected their senior season, and, you know, it's kind of gone. And then for me right now, you know, like, obviously Tommy John teaches you a lot about as far as, you know, take it day by day. What am I going to do right now? How am I going to get a little bit better? And I think this is just almost kind of like a continuation of that, or it's a setback, but instead I don't I don't have to <laughs> go in for surgery or worry about what's going to happen to my career or my arm like it's a little bit more I have a little bit more confidence in the process maybe I shouldn't but I do
0: (laughs) take us back to that injury we haven't been able to tell our listeners about that so it's a really unique situation you found yourself in because usually we talk about Tommy John and pitchers but that's not the case for you
2: yeah yeah so it was um it was definitely something I um had no real inclination could kind of happen to me especially you know being a a position player and you know more so first base a little bit of catching too and so basically i just transferred to hudson and you know part of where i wanted to give myself a role is like i've always been a bat in the lineup um and give myself more positions to play as great so i was uh catching more like i had in high school and it was um september 12th it was like three days before first practice so like i was just there to get to know like the town and my school and my teammates and then i was throwing down the second and my arm kind of it felt kind of tight that day and I um, was like, all right, well, I'm going to make one more throw to second. And then when I did, like, I kind of felt like my elbow, like, snap. And I, I felt it kind of separate and, like, slingshot back together. And I kind of just remember looking down at my arm. And it was so loud. Like, in my own head, it sounded like a gunshot. But I don't think anybody else heard it. And then I kind of looked down at my arm. And I was like, well, I guess I got to make a throw here and see what happens. And I made a throw to my friend. And it felt like where my elbow should have been. there was jello. And I was like, ooh, like, that's. That's not a good thing.
0: <laughs> mm, no doubt. So What happened from there?
2: Uh, basically, I started our athletic training staff, and we gave it a week to see if, like, maybe it was just like a UCL sprain, or sometimes like the ligament can roll over the the elbow and make that loud noise. But when I threw again, it was the same jello feeling. And then I went in, uh, got an MRI, uh, got diagnosed with a full tear, and um, that's where I kind of made the decision to um, like go back home to get surgery is like my, then my school wasn't going to cover it as far as um, I had health insurance through the school, through my tuition, but mm-hmm. the cost of surgery would have been pretty substantial on top of that. Um, so I decided to say, well, you know, like this isn't working. I'm not going to be able to play this year. And I thought my career was done at that point too. And so I said, well, I'm just going to go back home and get into uh, you know the queue for the surgery process there and uh, take it that way.
0: Walk us through, I guess, that transition and, and trying to go through the surgery and go through the, all the unknowns and going through that entire process.
2: It was, see, for mine it was really, really weird, uh, especially compared to some other people where, like, they get done through a school and they're with the school's physio, or if you're, obviously, if you're in professional baseball. Um, for me, like, I went home and when I saw my surgeon the first time, like, he didn't want to give me surgery. Um, he wanted me to elect for a non operative method, which was you know, it's, to me, like, I didn't think that was something they were going to say, because mine was a full rupture, mm-hmm. Um, and um I, I kind of, my surgeon in Maine that my school is partnered with said, you'll never throw a baseball again if you don't get a surgery, and then this guy was trying to tell me I'd uh, be throwing again in four months without surgery, and that seemed kind of like a stretch, so I got a, actually ended up getting a second opinion the Glenn Sather, and getting a copy of some, like, uh, some academic journals um that were kind of talking specifically about Tony John and rehab processes, and I basically came up my mom's a chiropractor. So her and I went through the literature together and it was, a, I had a 42% chance of non-surgery of throwing again versus like a 90 with surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up going back and like, I had a pretty legit argument with this uh, surgeon in the hospital <laughs> saying like, man, like give me the surgery. Like I can't, I can't take a 40% chance on this. You know, I'm, I was uh, like 22. Like I need to get back on the field. if I have a chance um, and I just, I'm not, I can't wait another year. Um, and then through the surgery it was weird too, because I didn't have like, obviously I kind of, t- I was working with Taylor Burns towards the end of it, but for the first couple of months, like I was just trying to figure out ways to kind of keep myself in shape and like do what I could do. Like whether that was riding a bike or like I would run laps with my brace on and like just kind of like figuring it out as I went along
0: how hard was it not being able to pick up a baseball and do those things day to day that you usually do on the field?
2: I think for a while I was, um I was, it was tough to even think about uh like throwing a baseball or the custom, the day to day, because like I was back in Lethbridge, I was in five classes, three labs and I was, I didn't have my right hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and then just, uh and then like the, with the daily physio stuff, like it kept me so busy for a while. And then I think when it got really tough was when I got back home and like, you kind of, to me tommy john was really like i'd make a whole bunch of gains i get a whole bunch better and i'd flatline for a while and then i get a whole bunch better and i flatline for a while um so when i started you know seeing people play baseball and all my friends are back home and like you know like i'm still only able to pick up the 25 pound dumbbell with my right hand or you know i mean like i haven't i'm throwing uh bp and front hot uh, front toss uh left-handed and I think that's when it kind of started bothering me. And then along with that, like, you know, that voice in the back of the head, it's like your back of your head. It's like, Hey, like, what are you doing this for? Like, you know, this, is, this isn't a guarantee. Mm. And like, um, so I think that was probably when it was really tough.
0: Did you learn a lot about yourself, particularly around your mindset as you went through all the trials and tribulations of rehab?
2: Yeah. Uh, I totally think so. I think it really, like, I'm a lot better at kind of not, uh, worrying about things outside my control and, uh, at times, too, it definitely like it stressed me out and it kind of broke me. You know, there was days where I felt like, oh, like it definitely got to me more than it should have. And, but you know, like I think, too, that's where I was lucky to have like friends like, you know, Eric Sabrowski was mm-hmm. going through Tommy John. I think he was, I don't know, like he was a couple months ahead of me. So, like, I kind of always had somebody to, you know, when I was having a tough day, I'd to give him a ring and, you know, he would tell me, yeah, this is how I'm feeling. And then that's how I got to know uh, Len Brasa a bit was through Tommy John. And then, Once you have the surgery too, you, it's amazing how many people you run into that have also had arm injuries and it's a pretty cool little brotherhood too, where everybody kind of gets it, even though nobody's
0: surgery process is the same. Um, everybody can kind of relate to it. What was it like from your perspective to step back out onto the field? I think it was against Salem state earlier this spring and, and getting that opportunity to, uh, feel a baseball again and to play the game again.
2: Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, um, for me, as far as my arm is going, like I was, I was able to DH uh, playing defense. Really, I just I wasn't quite there yet. I was really close, but um, actually, I hit a ball like off the like the left center wall I first at bat back, and I, I thought I got it out for a second, but um, I think too, just like all right, like there's a little bit of like a deep breath, like okay, it's been I think it'd been like 22 months or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it'd been a long time since my last game at PBA, and just like all right, like. Like I can still do this. Like it's, it's uh, especially on the road trip. I think it's when it set in, you know, like you're on a bus, you know, I'm playing crib with a couple of buddies. Some guys are doing homework. We got stepbrothers going on. It's like, okay, this is, this is nothing. You know, I've been here before. Mm
0: -hmm. What was it like from a teammate's perspective? Did you, when you hit that ball, for example, was uh, the elation quite obvious?
2: Yeah, I think my teammates were pretty happy for me. Uh, I mean, we were in a one run ball game too. And it was, it was a, So it was a big hit at the time as well. And I I think more so that's where, like, that's where I was focused. And I'm pretty sure for the most part they were focused there too. Um, But, yeah, it's just, it's always good to be, um, you know, contributing and, you know, back in the ball field and, you know, doing what you work for.
0: I always enjoy asking this question. How is it that a kid from Alberta doesn't go the usual hockey and football route and ends up playing baseball?
2: I mean, Uh, I think the first thing was, like, I wasn't very good at any many other
1: sports.
2: (laughs) Uh, You know, like, I sucked at hockey. Um, And, uh, you know, I kind of – I think I played baseball, like, T-ball or something. I was like, hey, I'm kind of good at this. I'm I'm just going to kind of, like, stick with this one. Um, And then, like, for me, too, like, I thought baseball was super cool because, like, big teams, there's a lot that goes on. Um, And then, like, as I started getting older, like – I really love like the strategy and like the statistics of it and just to being able to play on some of the great teams I did. Like um, when I was um, in my second year PB, so I was 13. We were provincial championship, provincial champions and like, um, and then we became second in my second year, Bantam. And uh, I actually, I got to play with so many like great players too. I was really lucky that some of my friends were as talented as they were. Like, I mean, Obviously, Jackson worked is one of my best friends. He just finished up at Saint Louis University. A little uh, brief stint in Australia playing professionally. Eric Sabrowski is with the Padres. I played with Kobe Hyland for a couple of years. Right, he's at University mm-hmm. of Houston. Um, I'm trying to think because I'm definitely like missing people. But you know, like obviously, I've had mm-hmm. been lucky.
0: Well, and, and not only that, but you've been able to uh, travel across the province as well. You mentioned PBA earlier on. I mean, there's been some pretty pretty cool moments. Can you single out a few that really stick out in your mind over your young career?
2: Yeah, uh, I think PBA is definitely, like, probably the one. I mean, I think, too, like, uh, that was just, like, we were, uh, gosh, I, I played with a lot of great baseball players there. You know, like, that program had, like, I think, too, there's somewhat of a stigma against the you know ccbc mm-hmm. and and but like man like some of the guys i play with there like they had great careers you know i mean my first year like meeting that like Corey scammell and he played uh, i think he played what it was two two years mm-hmm. for the mariners you know and just to be able to be like an 18 year old freshman be able to like pick the brain a little bit and like see how that guy goes about his, his business it's pretty special uh 30 minutes of hell our workouts at pba i'll never forget those <laughs> those were you don't you don't need any kind of description they're exactly what they sound like
0: <laughs> no kidding it really is um, it's yeah. funny how that all it's funny how that all kind of plays out is that it's not necessarily the games that stick out it's more you know the time spent with teammates whether you know it's the good times on the buses or you know the bad times like what you just mentioned
2: yeah yeah no kidding uh, the bus is too i played so much poker at pva gosh <laughs> we ever played a lot of poker so i still remember one time like i I was playing, like, Coach Hub, I think it was my my sophomore year, I believe it was, and, like, I knew I had him beat, but, like, he was dealing, he flipped the card. I remember him getting, like, really mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being, like, just scared, but, you know, like, oh, well, I, you know, I got some meal money for the trip now, so, you know, whatever, you, you take some, you lose some.
0: I was kind of curious about your post-secondary track as well. How is it that you got into data analytics?
2: So, um, that, that, so when I was at Lethbridge, like, I started in the, the math department. Um, I wasn't really sure where I wanted to be. As, uh, I did sometimes sometime statistics and some just math. And then I actually, like, I can I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it. So I went to kinesiology, and that's when I really fell in love with, like, weightlifting and coaching. And uh, I did that for a while, and it was awesome. And then I, I kind of got to the point where I felt like, man, like this, um, well, first I transferred to Husson, and they were an exercise science program, not a kinesiology program. So... Oh. They only took eighteen of my credits at first, and then I blew my arm out, so it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I came back, I was like, "Well, I'm not going back unless I can get a degree." And I started realizing that, gosh, like I took a, a math class called Stat 3700, and I was starting to code in R. And I started, when I was home with my uh, arm hurt, I started seeing all this stuff about like uh, internships with teams and you know what they're looking for for people to work in and R and statistical coding was a big thing. And then so when I went back to Huston, I saw that they had a uh, a major in it, and so I was like, hey, like that sounds exactly what I want. And my credits transferred well, and like I'll graduate next spring. And and in the summer, this past summer as well, I got invited to speak at the the, the 2019 uh, Saber Seminar. So that's like Statistics, Science, and Scouting of Baseball. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was some awesome. Like I got to hear like the the head speaker of like the there will be commission reports on the, you know, the juice ball. There is like astrophysicists there talking about ball physics. Um, there is um, the assistant hand coach for the Red Sox. Uh, there is, um, you know, the director of player analysis for the Angels. You know, there's so many great speakers and it just kind of made me feel like, wow, like this is the coolest thing ever. And I just want to like see how like good I can be at this.
0: And it kind of led you down an interesting path as well because you ended up creating a grit performance. Tell us a little bit about what that one's all about.
2: Yeah. So for me, grit's really like if you want to work in a baseball, uh, you know, professionally as an analyst, um, something they want to see is a lot more so than like grades or classes or whatever. Like they want to see like actual, like tangible work. Um, so for me, what grit is, is it's like an uh, uh, area I can share like my research and some of my, my data projects everybody and i'm like a method that's like really communicatable and then like um yeah so it's just it's a way for me to kind of get my stuff out there and you know have like almost because kind of like a portfolio Mm -hmm. in a lot of senses for me
0: very cool now you've got grit you've got your studies you've got baseball down the line as well but i am curious uh, we all know that we're kind of into this uh, time of uncertainty but what kind of lies ahead in your foreseeable future here chris
2: We'll see. I mean, biggest thing right now is just finalizing the end part of my Tommy John rehab is getting my arm ready for my uh, what would be my like senior year, um, you know, in the short term. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen this summer as far as I was thinking about coaching. I don't know if baseball bird is going to run, but whatever time will tell there, I guess in a little bit more of the long rise, I'll go back to Hudson and, you know, I have nine classes left and I'm looking forward to finish off my degree. And then, you know, like, let's just go enjoy baseball for one last year before you get into the real world mm-hmm. and then like career-wise i mean i almost i, I came really close to getting a job with Class motion this summer in the cape cod league um but obviously like right now that's not really running and i had callbacks from two other baseball organizations but i never got that that official position so next fall i'll, I'll reapply and i'm going to look into some grad school programs this summer too and you know I'm going to kind of take it like one step at a time and just try to do the best in my classes and try to do the best in baseball and hopefully the the right path will just kind of make itself obvious.
0: If you had a piece of advice for any young ball players who might be listening or those who I know you're into the coaching side of it, what would you say to them?
2: I'd say like you know try to get a little bit better today. Um you know especially for some of the young guys I'd say try not to compare yourself as to where your peers are at as far as being tough on yourself, you know, a lot, of, like, especially for me, like, I think that caused a lot of, I, I um, I took away from a lot of the enjoyment I could have got from the game by worrying about why, why, um, some of my peers were just better than me, you know, at a young age, I think. And, uh, I think I would have been better off felt. I think play a whole bunch of sports. Um, that's definitely like something I think can really help you as a ball player down the road and, you know, try to enjoy it and, you know embrace your role whatever it is you know if you're a if you're a pin, uh, first baseman pinch hitter it's going to maybe see you know 50 percent of starts at best but you know be in some big at-bats for teams like do your job and or you know obviously it's pretty easy if you're starting shortstop three hole <laughs> but um just uh yeah be a great teammate
0: we've covered a lot of ground here chris appreciate your time thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and all the best and whatever the future has in store
2: yeah absolutely thank you very much thanks for all your work
0: Next up, we met Lethbridge's Landon Barassa back on episode 75 of the podcast. Like Iwanek, he had also just returned to the field after undergoing Tommy John when the season was put on the back burner. The University of San Francisco hurler has had an interesting vantage point on the pandemic being in California, where the governor ordered its 40 million residents to stay home. Instead of heading back to Alberta like others, Barassa is staying put for the time being. Landon, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for having me. Walk us through the last couple of weeks from your perspective, because there's been so much said and so much done. I mean, it, it's had to have been a really interesting time for you, especially being in California.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously being here in California, kind of one of the epicenters of everything that's going on, but it's just been uh, kind of a whirlwind, right? It all happened so fast, but right now time seems to have slowed down and everything's moving moving really slow. I mean, when we initially got the uh, the word of what was going to go down with our season, we were Driving down to play Pepperdine for our our opening weekend of the conference play, and uh, we're about halfway down, and uh, we stopped for lunch. And you know, we'd kind of been there for a long time. We knew there were some meetings going on, and you know, following on social media, Twitter, and everything, seeing different leaks kind of, you know, start to delay some things. You know, a little bit concerning, and then. The big one for me is when I saw the March Madness and they canceled the entire tournament. I said, all right, that's, that's it for us. We're not having a season this year. So, sure enough, shortly after that, we got the word that, that we were done and headed right back up on the bus. Uh, we all met as a team on campus right after and just, I mean, just had such an emotional conversation, obviously, with our coach, uh, Coach G. And I mean, it was just hard because there's so much uncertainty. And so that's obviously a trend that's, that's continued for the last uh, two weeks since that decision was made, it's just the uncertainty of what's going to happen with the season, with everyone's eligibility, with the upcoming year, with summer ball even. So honestly, everybody's just kind of sitting here in limbo. <laughs> and that's that's how the last two weeks have gone, is just kind of trying to stay ready, trying to stay active, keep working out, throwing and everything. But obviously a little hard to when now we have the uh, the lockdown orders here in California where we're not you know supposed to really be leaving the house for anything other than medical or groceries so it's been interesting
0: what was it like being in that uh clubhouse as you're having that conversation and realizing yeah this season's done
1: i mean there's there's so much that goes into that i mean myself as a as a senior obviously a lot of guys you know look towards me and were feeling for me being one of those guys that hey this is, you know this is your last college baseball season. And at that time we didn't know what was going to happen, but I think the hardest part was some of my other teammates who, um, you, this is it for them. I got a roommate who has a job lined up to work for Amazon Japan next year. And and regardless of if he gets his eligibility back for next year, he's not coming back. Like that was it for him. Um, just, it's tough to see that, especially, you know, guys who played their last game without knowing it. That's kind of, that's kind of heartbreaking in a sense. And, And it was just, it was a tough conversation to have. And our our coach was, I mean, supportive as always and just said, hey, look, I love you guys. That was the number one message there. And that we get through it. Um, I mean, there's really no other thing that you can say when you've had an entire season canceled, but he did a pretty nice job of summing
0: it up for us. What was it like from your perspective, given all that you've gone through over the last year and a half?
1: Um, I mean, difficult. It's still difficult for everybody. I think... uh, it's been a little bit easier for me to come to grips with in terms of I'm okay with having to sit out a season that's happened to me before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's nothing new in a sense, but what makes it so challenging is the uncertainty. It's that we don't know what's going to happen, you know, and we have to just play this waiting game and sit here for the next couple of weeks and then figure out how to progress forward after that. So, I mean, it's been, it's been challenging still nonetheless, but I'm just trying to stay ready (laughs) and, uh, for whenever that next start is going to be, I'll be ready for it.
0: Speaking of the starts that you did get, you finally got back onto the mound. What was that moment like? Because you and I talked about it to just heading into the season, and, and now you've had a couple of starts under your belt, and you seem to be pitching well. What was it like from your perspective?
1: I mean, it was just it was just fun. <laughs> um, it was nice to you know hop on the bus for road trip and know that I was actually going to play again um, instead of just going to be the bullpen coach or something like that. But I mean, I absolutely felt like I had, I had turned a corner in that that third start when we were down to Phillips, and I was able to go four innings and really stretched out for the first time and then obviously doing the same thing the next week at california um just being able to do that just i mean it was a lot of fun and, and I, you know I kind of felt uh just locked in and kind of got involved into the Friday night roll just because of the way things had gone and and the opportunities that our coaches thought I could bring to our team and you know I felt like we were on a roll like that and just uh tough to have it taken away for now but that's all right
0: when you look back was there a moment over the last few starts there where you were able to kind of soak it in take that moment to to breathe it all in and go yeah I'm back
1: yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean I think that it was uh, a big you know a big uh push for our team when I got put into that role um after really only throwing four innings all know, they said hey look you're gonna go we're going to go down to Fullerton. You're going to throw on Friday night. And I went out there and, and threw up some uh, four scoreless innings. And Just that moment with just the way that everyone on my team rallied around me and just reacted to it, it was just, that was a pretty unbelievable feeling. Like everyone had that complete confidence and it was like, all right, you're going to get it done for us. And so just from there even, we won that series. That was the first series we won on the road at a, a national powerhouse like Fullerton is pretty incredible stuff. And then obviously the next week, uh, taking the series from a Pac-12 team. I mean, we started to get on a roll after we hadn't started that well, but I mean, <laughs> like we said, now it's just, it's kind of hard to believe. It's like, all right, we started not too hot. And then we came on strong for a couple series and then that was it. So it's been difficult like that.
0: So now how do you kind of keep on top of things and get ready for, as you said, your next start?
1: I mean, it's, it's trying to do everything as normal as I can. Um, it's trying to obviously our strength, our strength coach has been really good with coordinating lifts with us. And and obviously it's, you got to try to find a home gym or make something happen. And then in addition to that, it's just throwing still. And so, um, you know, really trying to stay and do everything the way I had before, just maybe not in a team setting. So it's more so just on my own, uh, a little bit more um, resourceful in a sense, right? Like where, I was talking earlier about, you know, finding a batting cage or something like that just to throw into a net if you can't long toss or just having somebody to catch a bullpen for you. So it's hard not to be in a team setting to get that working, but individually it's, I mean, I'm old enough and I've played long enough that I've kind of, you know, had to figure it out for some different holidays and everything. So it's, you know, it's still an adventure to try to figure it out. But, you know, you just do what you can. That's really the the main uh, part to that.
0: How much are you leaning on that experience of last year where you were kind of almost on your own trying to rehab from that injury?
1: Oh, I mean that's huge. Um that's huge for me. It's uh that's number one, honestly, in terms of um how I'm gonna get through something like this year is just the experience and, and trust that I've been through something equally as hard in my mind. So I'm just, just going through it and you gotta take it day by day. And that was the main the main message I sent to myself when I got hurt, and it's going to be the same message that I'm giving to myself and my teammates now, and we're just trying to find a way to uh, still continue to get better at baseball and get ready for that next season.
0: So we've talked to a lot of different players who said, you know, the first thing I thought of was heading back home, going to Alberta and figuring it out from there, whereas you're taking a different approach. Why did you go that route?
1: I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. I think part of it was at the time, knowing that, it was minus thirty and snow back home. Whereas I'm in <laughs> sunny California where it's, you know, twenty to twenty five degrees. Uh just makes it a lot easier for me to, to get the work in out here, honestly. And then obviously I've got some really good friends that you know were in such great places like Riley Helen, I gotta give a shout out to him. He's a former teammate of mine who just said, Hey, come down and, and stay with me down here near LA and so I've been I've been down here with him and he's been catching both ends for me and doing all that kind of stuff to help try to keep me ready. So um, I mean, a little bit of a difficult decision. Obviously, my parents haven't uh, haven't been home in, I think, close to a year and a half now, but they understand it and they know that, obviously, they both have to continue to work at their jobs and I've I've got to work at baseball and everything and it'll be nice to have a little bit of time like that, but and we both kind of understand that. I mean, I'm still in school, right? I'm still taking all the online um, all my master's program courses have been moved online, so it's just, uh, I can really do that from anywhere, but just nice enough to have friends to open up their homes to me down here in L.A.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was curious about the education side of things as well, because I know you had some pretty big aspirations on that side as well to continue the baseball career and also the the education part. What's the game plan on that side?
1: I mean, the funny thing about that is the game plan is to just sit and wait. <laughs> I mean, and that's one of the messages too that I've talked to to Nino Giotano, our head coach, about is he just said, hey, look, Make sure I know you understand this, but make sure nobody else wants to go make a decision right now on what they're going to do because we don't. There's no way we can we can know, especially for myself in terms of baseball and academics. I just have to just wait here. The NCAA has said that everyone's going to get their eligibility back, Well, we don't know what that's going to look like yet. And so, without all those pieces, or even if the MLB is even going to have a draft this year, we don't have those pieces yet, so we can't make a decision on it. So, honestly, my my plan for the next two months is to just keep working out and stay ready. And if I'm, if I end up playing the summer, I'm playing the summer and either I'm playing professionally, which would be awesome. Or I come back and I finish my master's degree and do another year of school. I mean, it's, I'm in a good situation, but it's just, I got to be patient with it.
0: Now we're not in a lockdown here in Alberta. So maybe paint us a little bit of a picture as to what you see in California as things have developed in that state.
1: It's been, it's been interesting. I think the, uh, right initially because san francisco when i was up there at the lockdown order was a little bit earlier it was it was kind of eerie in a sense because you see people out but not a ton of people out right mm-hmm. there's people out walking their dogs or going for a walk but you don't see people out doing the usual business that you'd see um obviously all the all the retail stores really closing up other than grocery stores post offices that type of deal so I don't know, it's it's kinda of eerie because you don't see as many people but you still see some people out. And even when people out they're pretty obvious about avoiding everyone else. And so mm-hmm. it's kinda of, it's kinda of surreal in that sense that it's kind of a paranoid, eerie feel to it, but at the same time, um all understandable and I think everybody everybody gets that we are all on the same boat and then coming down here to, to LA and being outside of the city a little bit more, we're kind of in Camry, which is slightly north of LA. Um, people are still out uh, doing things, but just not to the normal extent, right? Like everyone's taking the precautions, and and everything's. I mean, I've never been to LA and never seen traffic <laughs> like this. It's just there's nothing, you know. You you can't. Uh, you're not getting backed up anywhere, which is kind of nice. But I mean, nobody's really leaving the house. I think everybody's doing a, a decent job of following the uh, the order down here. I mean, obviously more could be done in terms of you know each individual person, but. I mean, it's you know people are doing what they can with their current measures.
0: Final question for you, Landon. What's your mindset as you go about these uncertain times?
1: Uh, just just staying positive. I think that's that's the only way to do it. Just staying positive and focusing on the day at a time. You know, for me, I got I got class later tonight. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to be. So basically, it's just preparing for class. Right as soon as I finish my. My training for the day, it's just, all right, get ready for class, and I'll tackle today, and then I'll look to tomorrow when I get up the next day. Um, and that's thats really all I can do right now.
0: Appreciate your time again uh, so soon after the first appearance on the podcast. Landon, thanks so much for it, and best of luck as we go forward.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks again for having me, Joe.
0: Thanks again to both Chris Iwanek and Landon Brassa for joining us this week. Funny side story before we go. As Chris kind of alluded to, he and Landon had gotten to know each other a little bit. Landon told me after our conversation that he had interviewed Chris for a school project. Once again, proving the baseball world can be a small one. We'd also like to take a moment right now to thank all of our sponsors for helping us tell the stories of baseball in this province. The Okotoks Dogs, Dogs Academy, the Western Canadian Baseball League and Foxhall Academy of Baseball. And thanks again to all of you for downloading and listening. We'll be Back again later this week with another episode of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.